the Healing with Hydrogen podcast. Brought to you by H2 Minutes. Healing is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. This podcast is all about how hydrogen gas can aid to that process. This season is Healing with Hydrogen 101. And this is episode five, where we are taking it all the way back, discussing the history of hydrogen gas and its health benefits. Thanks for listening. Let's go. What's up, what's up, what's up? This is your boy, Taiwan, and this is the Healing with Hydrogen podcast brought to you by H2 Minutes. Uh, We're here to do another episode. Uh, We're actually going to be going over the history of hydrogen and its medical properties. Uh, And this kind of goes farther back than you might um, assume. So, Kayla, how far does this go? Yeah, so we're taking it all the way back as far as the year 1520, the year hydrogen was discovered. Um, The guy's name is Philippus Areolus Paracelsus. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Um, So tell us what he did. Paracelsus. I've been pronouncing his name wrong for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He probably pronounced his own name wrong. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, um, basically, uh, he is the first person to officially discover hydrogen, but it was by accident. He was performing... Uh, some pretty elementary um, experiments um, involving metals and some acids, and he observed a mysterious flammable gas as a byproduct from that. Uh, and so um, this is basically how he ended up discovering hydrogen. This was almost 500 years ago, by the way. This is a very long time ago. <laughs> Uh, that he actually accidentally discovered hydrogen, but that was the part he played in it. Um, and it wasn't until uh, almost 200 years later that the story gets picked up again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fast forward to 1766, and we find a, a British philosopher and scientist by the name of Henry Cavendish. What did he do, John? Uh, well, Henry... Henry was quite, um, what's the word for it? Uh, eccentric. Uh, he eccentric. Was, yeah, yeah. How do you pronounce it? Eccentric. Ec- eccentric. I can't pronounce it well. But basically, um, he uh, he was a pretty interesting dude. But one of the one of his claim to fame um, was uh, actually discovering a flammable air, and so um, he distinguished hydrogen. Um, as a flammable air and that formed water upon combustion. So, um, but he didn't actually name name it. That didn't come until almost 20 years later. Yeah, so 1783, this guy, he's actually referred to as the modern father of chemistry. His name's Antoine Lavoisier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell them what he did. Yeah, so he actually classified hydrogen. He actually was um, credited to naming hydrogen. Um, he actually named it hydrogen, uh, which has its root words in hydro, meaning water, and gene, meaning forming or creating. So in essence, hydrogen means water forming. Mm-hmm. Um, by definition, that's what it means. And so that's what he actually did. He he actually described the gas. Um and so he's given us 
uh, let's say, the clever name of hydrogen. Next, in 1798, Hydrogen's in the News. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is the first publication, actually medical publication, uh, that we have record of that actually mentions hydrogen possibly having um, medical properties like anti-inflammatory type properties. And uh, it's in a very obscure uh, publication. Um, it's, I mean, it's not very known about. Uh, it was rarely talked about, but it is the first publication that we have that actually describes molecular hydrogen potentially um, having medical um, properties as a anti-inflammatory agent. That is the first publication from a medical professional. Okay, so it wasn't until 90 years later where there was the first publication of hydrogen being used as a medicine. Tell us about that one too. Yeah, so um, that was documented in the Annals of Surgery by Dr. Nicholas Sin. Um, and he actually used molecular hydrogen for intestinal practices. Um, and he actually d basically did rectal insufflation. So basically pump hydrogen up the poop chute. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so this is our first documentation really of hydrogen kind of being used in medical practices, like by an actual doctor. Um, and so this is also been, like I said, documented in the Annals of Surgery, and um, those publications are actually online as well. And now we get to the part of the story where most people have heard about. Um, 1937, that's the year of the Hindenburg. Most people, yeah, have, most people have an idea about it. Some form of understanding or, or, or knowing about that. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit why that would even be on our on our radar to talk about. Well, it's the Hindenburg disaster. I mean, it's like one of the things that put hydrogen on the map globally. Um, and it heavily formed connotations around molecular hydrogen as a flammable gas. So people knew after the Hindenburg that that sucker blows up. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's unfortunate, <laughs> you know, I think as an, I think an article that you were referencing earlier, Kayla, was discussing how really a lot of our minds have been, a lot of the public's idea about hydrogen has been formed heavily based on that accident. And so we we we, we really couldn't be talking about molecular hydrogen or, or hydrogen in general and its medical history uh, with, with crossing the Hindenburg without speaking about it. Like, um, and for those who don't know, basically it was a passenger blimp that utilized hydrogen gas as the means to fill the blimp up to um, to actually travel. So, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's just basically some basic information around it in a nutshell. Um, and it actually was, is actually, I think it in 1936, it made about 10 trips to the United States from Europe, which was pretty cool. Round I, trips. Round trips. I bet you that was pretty cool for the people that were on it. And I bet you they were happy that they wasn't riding in 1937. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that would be a problem. You know what I'm saying? Um, quite a few people died. <laughs> but 
also quite a few people survived too. Mm-hmm. So that was just a side note, by the way, the Hindenburg. I think it's important to talk about because it can lend to the answers of why hydrogen, um, why it hasn't blown blown up yet? That's not the right. <laughs> why it hasn't blown up? <laughs> uh, hydrogen's blown wrong up. Wrong use of words. Wow. Um, no, why like the research hasn't been bigger as far as more people knowing about it? Because I think after that, it was like, stay away from hydrogen, even though it has all these crazy health benefits, but it's yet still so very unknown. And I think it's important to talk about the Hindenburg as part of that history, because it is a big reason, or I don't know if I'm speculating, but um, a big reason as to why the research of hydrogen for health benefits isn't more well-known. Well, yeah. I mean, even if you consider the fact of what we were talking about, right? Like 1798 is the first time someone is actually, it's the first publication where someone is hypothesizing or postulating that molecular hydrogen has some kind of health properties. Um, and and we are literally um, a couple hundred years later and they there's still no there's still not much traction even though obviously you know some people are starting to use it in some practices and some stuff like that but mass basically like a critical mass or like mass mass awareness for the scientific community is really not on people's radar and yeah. i think the hindenburg hindered the process <laughs> quite a bit it uh, hindered it hindered hard pun i didn't even try to do that pun <laughs> Um, I it you hindered were, like, the process. Funny. Nah, man, that just kind of floated out there. It was a natural pun. It wasn't even a hydrogen tendon. was hindered by the Hindenburg. It was hindered. Its progression in research was hindered. <clears throat> so, anyway, let's keep it moving. What's next? Right. So next, a little bit later, um, nineteen forty-three, um, we find the Swedish engineer. His name is Arne Zetterstrom. Um, tell us about him. Yeah, so Arne Zetterstrom, um, he utilized hydrogen gas in deep sea diving. So for the first time. For the first time, yeah, for the first time. And um, this utilizing hydrogen was able to allow him to dive deeper. Uh, and I think the actual gas mixture is about 96% H2 and 4% oxygen. So um, it was basically... Uh, I believe the word is hydroxy. Um, it was a hydroxy mixture of hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, 96% um, hydrogen, 4% oxygen. And we're not going to talk about this later on, so I'll talk about it now. But also they actually did memorial dives, um, attempting the same dives he did in 1943 with hydrogen in 2012, um, utilizing the same gas mixture and having the same results, being able to dive exceptionally deep, uh, dive exceptionally well and very deep um, into the ocean. I think up to 520 feet, which is which is pretty remarkable <laughs> to be able to go that far under 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 the ocean. And um, and so uh, yeah, so those gas mixtures, um, he really pioneered the way of hydrogen being utilized for deep sea diving. 
Yeah, so that brings us to the next timeline um, point, which is the 60s, the 1960s, um, where the U.S. Navy um, used the hydrogen hydrogen gas mixture for deep sea diving. And you can tell us more about that. Yeah, so the gas mixture they were using was hydroleox. Um, and yeah, that, that entails a high percentage of hydrogen as well. I think it's 49%. But they noticed that uh, not only was hydrogen able, this gas mixture utilizing hydrogen was able to allow uh, the divers to dive even deeper, um, but it also helped to ameliorate decompression sickness. So this was pretty remarkable. And in the 1960s, the U.S. military used gas mixtures as high as 98.87% H2 with 1.26% O2 as high as 19.1 ATM, which ATM just means partial pressure or PSI, like it's atmospheric pressure. Um, and they noticed minimal to zero cytotoxic effects. So um, I think the only thing they really noticed was hydrogen, no, hydrogen necrosis, which is basically where um, hydrogens in the brain um, can be very, very high, can make you kind of loopy. But even when they were able to bring those levels down, um, there was no cytotoxic effects. And so the person was perfectly fine. So um, they were, this is an area that was really impactful for demonstrating hydrogen safety profile. Not safety in the fact that it's not flammable, but safety in the fact that it doesn't really hurt the human body. I mean, they were using levels that right now, being hydrogen enthusiasts, that we could only dream of to saturate the body with. And they demonstrated that there was no cytotoxic effects. There was no actual long-lasting, short-term, any damaging effects regarding hydrogen. Okay, let's jump ahead just a little bit to 1975. And we're talking about the University of Baylor and Texas A&M Departments of Chemistry and Biology. They published a study in the Journal of Science, and Taiwan's going to tell you about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, basically in 1975, um, the University of Baylor and Texas A&M performed some hydrogen studies. Um, one, of the one of the more notable ones were with um, hyperbaric hydrogen treatment um, to see how hydrogen would affect uh, skin cancer or skin tumors, and they conducted it on mice. And uh, they actually um, put these mice in a basically a hydrogen hyperbaric chamber for two weeks and noticed marked regressions and significant regressions of tumor of the tumors um, that were on the mice. And to the point to where they describe in the actual journal itself, uh, or the article itself, I mean, um, that these tumors were turning black and started to fall off. Um, they were using very high hydrogen levels um, in this hyperbaric uh, hydrogen chamber. And so I think upwards above 90% of hydrogen. And so there was in one way of viewing at it, this wasn't very practical as an application for every everyday use uh, for, let's say, humans, considering what we just talked about, about the hindrance of the Hindenburg <laughs> Uh, but it did give us a glimpse at molecular hydrogen's medical properties. Um, it literally caused these particular mice skin tumors to turn black and fall off within two weeks 
of being kept in this chamber. So um, it definitely demonstrated that whatever hydrogen was doing in these mice um, exhibited anti-cancer like effects, uh, which was pretty impressive uh, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but pretty much after here, it went dead. <laughs> yeah. So. It was the buzz about H2 was very quiet um, all the way up into 2007. I think before that, there was what, 50 publications? Yeah. About hydrogen gas between that time, like before yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, basically, I think that there was a few tiny little studies that were in the early 2000s that described um, some some therapeutic potential with hydrogen, but they were still even postulating if it wasn't just molecular hydrogen, if it was active hydrogen or, you know, basically <clears throat> hydrogen atoms that were actually doing the effects, like basically molecular hydrogen would be broken up and then the hydrogen atoms would be actually inducing these effects. They were trying to think of all kinds of things. There's a couple scattered studies that I think in the 1990s, but that had to deal more with electrically reduced water or basically ionized water, um, which is a form of hydrogen water. But there really wasn't much, if anything. Um, I think, like you said, there was only really around 50 publications that can probably be uh, talking about molecular hydrogen or associated with with its medical properties in some kind of way or fashion, whether it's electrically reduced water, looking at those kind of in hindsight and saying, obviously, we know that the therapeutic agent of that is molecular hydrogen. And then, um, or actual articles mentioning molecular hydrogen itself. Um, so I think there's another one that was in 1980s that was talking about um, potential, like molecular hydrogen being a potential reducing agent that can be beneficial for our bodies because it was pr produced in our guts and that the the gut, actual gut um, uh, microbiome or, or the actual gut uh, fermentation production of molecular hydrogen might actually can have a beneficial effect on our body. But like these things are like, were lost in the shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Like there really wasn't a buzz. They didn't get the attention that would actually catapult hydrogen into the limelight. Right. But then in 2007, there was this famous little article um, um, published in Nature Medicine, which is a really prestigious journal. And it really like blew the roof off of the hydrogen research. So I know you would love to tell us about that. Yeah, man, that is uh, the Nature Medicine article in 2007. And that article catapulted hydrogen into the limelight, so to speak, in the scientific community. It caught the attention of the world uh, in the scientific community. And, the ex and hydrogen's research has been exponential ever since to discuss a small fraction of what that study actually discovered about molecular hydrogen was that it showed that clinically relevant levels, so basically safe, clinically clinically relevant levels, so this would have been below hydrogen's flammability um, percentage, so basically 4.7% um, in the presence of oxygen. Those type of levels under 4% can actually go in and reduce, can um, act as a selective antioxidant or have uh, selective antioxidant properties and, and actually selectively reduce the hydroxyl radical, which is the most damaging free radical we know in existence. Um, and uh, this was actually done through a stroke model, an ischemic stroke model. 
So he introduced a stroke uh, within these mice and gave these mice molecular hydrogen and demonstrated that uh, molecular hydrogen was able to suppress uh, the actual per, uh, production of the hydroxyl radical and uh, reduce the damage of the stroke itself. So this um, was amazing because it demonstrated that molecular hydrogen acts as a selective antioxidant, or I should say has selective antioxidant-like properties. So before we get into the rest of the timeline and the history about hydrogen, tell us kind of where the research is at now compared to 2007. Yeah, so like I was discussing in 2007, it was more obscure, um, not known about uh, a few articles that showed some glimpse of the potential of hydrogen. Now, in 2022, there are more than 1,700 scientific publications worldwide uh, demonstrating hydrogen has therapeutic potential for more than 170 human disease models um, with more than 100 uh, preclinical and clinical human trials uh, with more underway. Um, and there are massive amount of research. There's research groups and um, growing attention and massive amounts of effort to investigate molecular hydrogen um, for its medical potential. And not just like Japan or, um, you know, which is kind of like the kind of like the epicenter of, of hydrogen research, but uh, not just like Japan or um, China or in Korea, but also happening here in the United States. It's going on in Europe. It's going on in the Middle East. Um, hydrogen research is is blowing up, um, trying to actually investigate how this little medical gas, um, how this novel medical gas um, is actually doing what it's doing. And there's a, there's a there's been a lot we've learned but there's still so much we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ways we don't even know how hydrogen's doing all these things, but it's but it's doing it and with zero cytotoxic effects that we know of thus far. And that's pretty impressive to say the least, 170 human disease models with zero cytotoxic effects. I don't know if I could say that about anything else. Um, so uh, that's kind of where the research is currently. The trajectory is that there is a, a like a greater focus right now on clinical trials um, and moving the pendulum in that direction uh, and more studies, not just in animal models, but with humans. Okay, so let's go back to the timeline and we're going to go up to 2012. 2012 um, was the first test reagent developed. And um, Tawan, tell us who made that and why that's important for us to, to mention. Yeah, well, a Japanese company um, called Miz um, were the first to actually produce a commercialized version of uh, a test reagent using utilizing methylene blue and colloidal platinum to actually be able to measure the dissolved hydrogen concentration of hydrogen in water. So basically to be able to measure hydrogen gas dissolved into water without having to use very expensive equipment. So uh, this um, basically enabled um, not only 
um, researchers or, or, you know, researchers um, or doctors to be able to see how much hydrogen is dissolved into water. But it also was the first iteration of this to actually be able to have customers be able to actually know how much hydrogen is dissolved into their water, hydrogen gas. So um, it is uh, the hands down most convenient, simple, an effective way to be able to measure dissolved hydrogen gas in water at home. And it's actually an important part of our hydrogen story. We actually made an H2 Minutes video um, in December, right? Mm -hmm. um, about our um, about our hydrogen story. I'm actually in it, which I'm not in the videos. So We've been a few before that, but you might not want to watch small it. cameos. Go ahead and peep her out, you know. <laughs> Somebody over here be dogging on themselves. They're really good. <laughs> but anyway, so issue blue was a big deal for us when we first got into this industry because we were talking about hydrogen and we were like so excited about the hydrogen. And it was before like anybody even really knew about issue blue or before you can get your hands on it. Like anybody could now anybody could go. By H2 Blue. Back then it was like, what? We can test it? Right. How? Where are we going to find this? The first time we got some H2 Blue, we tested our ionizer. And <laughs> yeah, we didn't have no hydrogen. No hydrogen. hydrogen. So literally H2 Blue is a huge part of the history or this reagent. I was saying H2 Blue. But that's, yeah, well, well, that's, that's the brand I mean, name from... Yeah, I think that's good. I think it's a good segue. So, so in 2012, the company Miz created um, this reagent, uh, uh, a hydrogen testing reagent, and there is a American company by the by the name of H H2 Sciences Inc. Um, that actually produces um, a different brand mm -hmm. called H2 Blue. Uh, and it's a basically a U.S.-based company, mm -hmm. uh, but they have distributors all around the world. And uh, they also produce this same reagent mm -hmm. that MIS produces, uh, which is pretty, pretty impressive. Um, both of them are, are both of them are good. Both of them work just fine. Um, I find the U.S. version a little more convenient because obviously I'm in the United States and I'm not in Japan. Yeah. And so uh, but uh, but yeah, so. Uh, for those who might be confused, yes, there are two versions of this on the market. Um, if I had to put my name on, I think the H2 Blue is more accessible um, to be able to get. Yeah, but I think it is vital in the history when you talk about the history yeah. of hydrogen gas to use for health benefits because it was really what catapulted the industry as far as products go because before h2 blue you could just say this made hydrogen water and i mean what are they going to do like they have yeah. to believe you <laughs> mm -hmm. because how do they know yeah I'm, there's, this there's one this one with this you can't nobody no no company can say this is hydrogen water um to somebody who knows anything because they're okay, well, I'm gonna test it. And mm -hmm. it's very easy, you know, you drop 
Drop, yeah. drop in there, it turns clear, and then you know there's hydrogen in it. And if you if there's none, then it it stays blue. So, I mean, it. Well, my opinion, this is a yeah. big a big deal for <clears throat> the history or for the industry. Yeah, and for 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 clarity's sake too, for those who who are just discovering this um, amazing thing of molecular hydrogen and hydrogen rich water um, and what she just said about it, it is it is far it's the easiest way of doing it at home it's convenient but i would err on saying this it, it, it like it does have a there's a learning curve like with anything else in order to be good at testing your hydrogen water at home uh you got to practice doing it um so you can get um you know accurate results um, right. And so the concept of it is super easy. The execution of it takes a little practice, but it's not that yeah. bad. It's not if that you hard. want to test it, if you yeah. want to know exactly, but if you basically what I'm saying is I can't just make water, put it in a pouch, sell it at a store and call it hydrogen water now. Right. Exactly. People can actually can test know. it. Yeah, yeah. People can actually test it. And that's one of the cool things about the reagent too, is that not only can you actually test the water to see its PPMs, which is what we're talking about when we say measuring the concentration is looking at how much hydrogen is actually dissolved into the water in terms of its concentration in in PPMs or milligrams per liter is another way of, of stating that. But, um, but you can also use it just to detect the presence of dissolved hydrogen gas in mm -hmm. water. So for example, if the concentration of, of hydrogen gas in the water is less than 0 0.1 ppm then the water is going to stay blue like and so which that is not a therapeutic concentration of hydrogen in water right. so if you got no detectable levels it's very easy to do that you just put water you just put some water in the beaker to six milliliters drop one drop in and if it does not turn clear there is there's no hydrogen there is no detectable levels of hydrogen in the water. Um, that may be under 0 0.1 ppm, which really doesn't for 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 you guys understanding or anyone else understanding that basically is useless. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically useless. Like you cannot you can't call it hydrogen water. Yeah, basically. like yeah, like there's no amount of drinking. You can drink like 15 gallons a day. <laughs> For you to get enough hydrogen to be therapeutic at that type of levels. Yeah. Now, I'm being exaggerated, but still, I mean, like, I could actually run the numbers and tell you how many gallons you would have to drink. Mm -hmm. Like, it is ridiculous. So, um, so yeah, issue blue is a huge part of the history. Right. But anyway, enough about the rant on issue blue. 2013 is the next year, which is we're getting a little closer in years. It's not so spread apart. Spread yeah, apart. It's, it's it's picking up like um like at the beginning. <laughs> Nothing for a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> um. So 2013, in this year, there was a U.S. authority on molecular hydrogen established. Tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, Kayla is talking about the Molecular Hydrogen Institute, which is a science-based nonprofit organization that, that is focused on advancing the research, education, and awareness of hydrogen as a medical gas. And they are a world authority on molecular hydrogen um, and its research. Um and they're they're clearly the number one authority in my opinion here in the United States. And so mm -hmm. 
Uh, that organization and its founder, Tyler LeBaron, um, he is an active researcher, uh, biomedical researcher of molecular hydrogen uh, right now, as well as uh, he speaks all around the world, um, advancing the research of molecular hydrogen, does presentations talking about it with other researchers. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is the foremost place to go online if you want to basically fact check what we're talking about <laughs> to say uh is taiwan and kayla actually being serious is there really this much research and is this stuff really that deep when it comes to um the medical properties of molecular hydrogen oh go to go go to the molecular hydrogen institute and you will find out that it it, it goes that deep um he will tell you the molecular pathways that is activating and the ones that are not. And, and um, yeah, and so it is definitely the foremost place to go. Okay, now, so we move on to 2014. What happened in 2014? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> like you said, it's moving pretty rapidly. And I and I forgot to even mention this earlier that, you know, it's, it's stated that, you know, um, marketing is about 10 years behind the science. So, um, we're still not, you know, although this is kind of where hydrogen is now, where we talked about a little bit earlier with all the studies and stuff, we still are haven't really got hydrogen out there to the degree we would like to, right? But in 2014, uh, we have hydrogens having its first FDA approval as a grass grade supplement. And so hydrogen water was approved as a grass, as a grass uh, grade supplement. Uh, which kind of stands for generally regarded as safe. And uh, its approval level was 2.14% by volume, which is equivalent to 1.8 ppm or um, milligrams per liter at two liters a day. And so that's about 3.2 milligrams of H2 per day. So uh, that is what happened in 2014, which is like was a was a big deal. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, we're taking some good steps in the right direction uh, for the general public using hydrogen. Right. So let's go a couple years later in 2016 and something awesome happened then. Yeah. So this is hydrogen having its, I guess, another form of hydrogen, hydrogen inhalation, having um, big strides in clinical practice and stuff like that. So this is where hydrogen was actually approved as an advanced medical treatment for post-cardiac arrest syndrome to be used, um, I mean, post-cardiac arrest syndrome um, by the Japanese Ministry of Health and Labor and Welfare. Uh, and they approved hydrogen um, as an advanced medical treatment to conduct a three-year-long, 360-patient human clinical trial involving 15 hospitals or institutions. And so, um, yeah, we're getting molecular hydrogen or hydrogen inhalation in hospitals for actual clinical research. Uh, this was big. This was a big deal. Mm. It was a really big deal. Well, 2016 must be a big year because there was something else big that happened this year for the history of hydrogen gas. Yeah, we kind of had our first official scientific standards or basically... A scientific organization called International Hydrogen Standards Association, the ISSA, 
um, which is focused on determining the standards for measuring hydrogen gas and establishing guidelines for its therapeutic use. And so this is like our first established organization with credentials providing some kind of standards for regulating um, hydrogen products um, or regulating, yeah, for basically regulating um, standards for hydrogen products so that people can actually have an understanding of what is going to provide therapeutic benefits and what won't provide therapeutic benefits. Um, this company, or, or I shouldn't say this, this uh, association is basically like the backbone by which we are able to do what we're able to do today with our company issue hub. So um, I love the IHSA. I think it's an awesome idea. And, and I like that there is an actual group of scientists trying to provide the, the public with some kind of understanding of how much hydrogen is actually going to be therapeutic for us based on the studies. Um, because without it, people can just say whatever the heck they want to say. <laughs> right, which brings us to 2017. And what exactly happened in 2017? Yeah, that's when our company, H2 Hub, was created. Yeah, we're part of the history of hydrogen. Whoop, whoop. Um, we actually created our company, which is kind of functions as an educational or um, a third-party recommendation company. So basically we do reviews, third-party reviews, as well as we educate the public. Um, we also do some consultation where we do some one-on-one -on -one type conversations with medical doctors and other companies. And, uh, and our primary service to the general public is um, our issue product, our third party issue product recommendation, but we really just wanted to create a company that is a hub for all things H2. So basically we want to be able to meet everybody. We want to be able to meet the consumers. We want to be able to meet the companies. Um, we want to be able to meet the manufacturers, the people that are meeting, um, that are actually creating these products. Uh, and we actually also want to be able to work, um, with researchers and things of that nature too. We want to be able to be a company that has a hub that can be beneficial for who was ever involved in this industry. So let's skip to 2019 and another third party testing company was birthed. What was that? Yeah, this is H2 Analytics, which is a US based um, H2 company uh, that utilizes um, advanced gas chromatography uh for providing hydrogen performance testing and they are the only approved hydrogen based basically lab here in the united states for certifying um hydrogen products to ihsa standards and they also i believe are going to have their own certifications as well and so these are h2 analytics is basically um h2 hub on steroids as far as like testing goes like we do some basic testings to identify the product is uh, safe, provides therapeutic levels of hydrogen, and is generally well-built. Um, H2 Analytics is going to take what we do and take it about a thousand layers deeper because they are a, a hydrogen laboratory, basically. So um, we wouldn't be here doing what we're doing today if it wasn't for H2 Analytics either. Right. All right, so 2020, what happened with hydrogen in 2020? Pandemic. No, um, 
yeah, hydrogen being um, a focal point as a potential therapy for or actual treatment for um, COVID-19. And it was actually approved by the Chinese government um, to be used as a potential treatment for treating COVID-19 and was used in hospitals to treat people with COVID-19. And they're actually can still conducting studies, human studies in China um, with molecular hydrogen or hydrogen inhalation for COVID-19. And so uh, just kind of put hydrogen on the global scale uh, or, or more global awareness, I should say, um, because obviously we all have gone through a pandemic in the past two years and there was a rat race to figure out what's going to be effective for um, dealing with or managing COVID-19 um, in all of its severities. And uh, molecular hydrogen was um, not just considered, but actually been utilized as one of those treatments. Awesome. So that brings us to now, 2022. Um, so talk a little about Talk a little bit about where we are now and where we need to go. Yeah, so where we're at now, where we are now is is kind of what I already touched on earlier. We we are, you know, multiple, I mean, thousand plus scientific publications up for seventeen hundred, um, upwards of seventeen hundred scientific publications and studies on molecular hydrogen for its medical gas or medical properties uh, with more than 100 um, preclinical and clinical human trials. Uh, we have a growing industry, worldwide industry of about $22 billion um, that was estimated, this was estimated years ago, um, probably in 2017, that it was estimated to be this size because so many different players are actually getting involved. Um, people, like I said, Europe, America, um, big countries that are actually getting involved in this. Um, we still need more work to do um, as far as building a critical mass of awareness because although we have this growing industry, there's still a lot of people who don't know about it, especially here in the United States. I feel like I can go up to the average, the everyday average person and say, hey, do you, like, have you heard of molecular hydrogen um, as, you know, a, even a, as a basic supplement to be beneficial for you? And no, they're not going to hear. Have you heard of hydrogen water? The the awareness level um, is low, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, or maybe, maybe 10 times out of 10 right now. <laughs> uh, the answer is going to be no. So we still got a lot of work to do with building a critical mass so that we can get hydrogen to be more in mainstream and more in the public eye as a legitimate therapeutic medical gas and even before we get to medical gas area but like legitimate um therapeutic supplement that can be utilized that has research behind it uh, and so i think the last thing i would say is that where we're at now is that hydrogen is making the right trajectories in the research and is making the right trajectories in the public i think if it was up to me i would have it be fast forward about um, 100 miles an hour or more so we can get there a lot quicker. But I mean, there are issue clinics that are around the world. There are doctors using it and practices around the world. Um, so it is going in all the right directions. Um, I guess we just have just to be patient. Slowly. Yeah, we just have to be more patient, I guess. So if anything we've learned over this course of history being with hydrogen is that hydrogen is the long game. 
you if you want to get into it you have to be patient and you have to be prepared to wait for it to do its thing whether you're taking it or whether you're in the business of it it is going to take some time yeah like i know and we are dedicated for that long game we're dedicated to seeing this through with hydrogen and seeing where it goes i think one thing i did forget uh to mention uh was that in 2019 we had a really big moment like we like they had in japan in 2016 with hydrogen being utilized in hospitals um for the clinical studies we actually in here in the united states um there was a research group uh, from harvard that actually um got funded by the American Heart Association uh, and Children's Heart Foundation to conduct a study using H2 inhalation uh, for a cardio cardiological condition. And that study was very successful, enough so that they were able to file molecular hydrogen as a new investigative drug, hydrogen inhalation basically, or hydrogen gas as a new investigative drug. Um, and the success of this has led to them now planning to do a phase two clinical trial on several different um, clinical trial uh, on this cardiological issue uh, at several different U.S. medical centers. And so um, it is, like I said, this is in 2019. We forgot to mention this one, um, 2019. And so hydrogen is making its way in the right direction. You know, you got to get through those phase one, phase two, phase three clinical trials where you can actually get it as in, let's say, an official drug <laughs> that can be used for people. It's taking all the right directions in the research, and it's also taking the right directions in the public um, with more people wanting to engage in it. Unfortunately, like we said in pre previous podcasts, it's the Wild Wild West out here, so we're trying to do our best to make sure we keep the industry clean, keep the industry clean so that... Um, the accurate information can get out there about or around it. But so that's that's the history of hydrogen gas, everyone. Um, we're excited to be able to do our next episode. So we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Later. Thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure that you go to our H2 Minutes channel on YouTube. We have more than 57 full feature videos on hydrogen therapy covering various aspects from its antioxidant functions to anti-inflammatory functions to a host of other things, as well as other misconceptions, um, Q&As, things of that nature. So please go to H2 Minutes and subscribe to our channel. We would love to have you.